Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Amara Jones. Every day, the attacks on trans kids grow louder, and more anti-trans bills keep moving through state legislatures. In this season of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, we're going to illuminate how the right wing has fueled these bills by generating a breathtaking and wide-ranging disinformation campaign. It's spreading like wildfire on the internet. It's then being discussed by families and churches. None of this is an accident. It's a strategy to delegitimize trans people and create a world where our existence is a question. Subscribe to season two of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, a plot against equality, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more.
Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 66, part two. Um, we are going to continue our conversation with Brian Brinkman, who's at Suffering Juke, um, the second half of uh, tunes that he chose from Fall 96. Um, Brian, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is uh, this has been a lot of fun talking about the early part of the tour and looking forward to getting into this. Awesome. So um, yeah, we've been, we've been having some some dad talk hashtag dad talk here with, <laughs> with with brian who's a new dad um and actually we've been encouraged by a lot of people on twitter to have like a parents parents uh, um episode parents who are fish fans so yeah if anyone has ideas on how to do that let us know just kids no kids no kids please no kids. come on i get enough of that exactly um so as brian suggested let's just get into this music um we're gonna hear um some really really good stuff um i think it's like five five to seven tracks but but long and awesome so we'll um we'll chat with you guys about it um at the end enjoy Thank you. 
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. 
Listen wherever you get podcasts.
you want to see some real cows, come visit us in Vermont. We love cows. So thank you very much.
Well, welcome back. Uh, so we just went through a whole bunch of great stuff, uh, starting with the 2001 from 1118.96, then David Bowie from the next night, 1119, then 1129, we had the You Enjoy Myself. Uh, same night, actually, we had the Harry Hood, and then we had Ariba from 121, and then we jumped over to the uh, New Year's run for 1228. We had the Mike's Strange Design Week Pog, which is pretty epic, and you guys just heard it, so I don't have to tell you that. And uh, let's go back, guys. You want to talk about the uh, 2001? I thought it was pretty fun, pretty grooving, 12-minute uh, rocking stuff. Brian, you want to tell us why you picked that? Yeah, I... Um... Well, as far as I can tell, this is the first ever jammed out 2001. And if I'm wrong, uh, someone attacked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they you will. know, we had, they will. Uh, we all know that, I mean, this song debuted in 93, was played like every other show, 93, 94. It was a four minute song, purely an intro, like a buried alive. Um, and then it was slowly being expanded throughout 96. And um, I know one of my favorite. Early versions I heard of this song was um, the Halloween show uh, with uh, Carl Prazo on, on the um, second drum kit. It just adds a whole new element to the song. Um, I just, yeah, I love this. Uh, it's, it's a peek into where 2001 is going. It kind of falls in line with so much of what we've been talking about, uh, what we talked about last week, uh, the early part of the jams where you just hear – uh, the ideas of 1997 taking place, and you see them really reaching for that year. Um, three minutes uh, total of, of introductory uh, space before they ever even get into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this lays the groundwork for where the band's going over the next couple of years with uh, jamming off of this song, along with uh, you know their their overall jamming approach. So you're saying this is more important than Halloween? to the yes. future of fish yeah no <laughs> <laughs> i was trying to trick our trick our guests into saying something newsworthy yeah i'm looking for that sound bite yeah <laughs> yeah yes brad rj what'd you guys think of the 2001 there um it's it, it at the same time i don't know brian if you're right if it's the first you know 12 minute version that they they really took out there but at the same time, it also made me miss the 12-minute versions. And I think I've said this before. It's just one of those things that um, from 97, 98, when it was just you could get a good, meaty, long dance groove of a 2001. It's just something that was a highlight for me. And this, this highlights the show. Yeah, to your point, Brian, I mean, this is just the the jammed out, you know, 2001 is is something that I think defined 97 in a lot of ways. Um, hey, Shirley, we're seeing a picture of a very, very cute kid. You say hello? No? All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a great way to start. And I just went through and checked out the timing on all the 2001s leading up to this, and this is, in fact, the first ever jammed out version. So. What's up now? What's up now, Brad? <laughs> I love it. Reporting, <laughs> Jonathan. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna, you know, pat you on the back for starting the set properly with a 2001 that somebody else picked. 
Awesome. <laughs> so, um, what about that David Bowie that oh, followed? Man. Though, I, I thought that the shreddy and like oh. had a nice dreamy space in the middle, and uh, it was, it was, uh, it was nice. I thought it was really nice. RJ, I know you like your two thousand ones. What do you think? Yeah, this David. This is. I mean, a, Bowie's. Yeah, I like David Bowie a lot. Um, I mentioned it before on this on this radio station, but the. Um, this is the there's the the darkness and the light and there's darkness again it's really like really pretty great and this is a second set opener as well which is um a pretty cool way to 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 open a second set brian what was your um what was your inspiration on this one um well this kind of leads into uh, the next four tracks uh were just classic classic fish songs um and I said it before, the, the thing I love so much about this tour is that you really get these classic fish songs featured in big roles in, in ways that they just weren't as much. I mean, David Bowie now is uh, relegated as a first set closer, as, as a second set closer. It's never the centerpiece of a show anymore. I think that perhaps the last time it was anything close to that was the Gaiutica show. Um, I, this is my favorite David Bowie the tour and a tour full of them. Um, very similar to what, what you, uh, said in our notes, it's, it's, it's brooding, it's intense. Um, I love, one thing I love about David Bowie, as much as I love like summer 95 space camp, David Bowie's, uh, fall 94, 12, 12, 29, 94, you know, those are great. I can't, words can't describe how good those versions are. Um, one thing I love about the song is that it's just built for them to push the theme as far as possible within its overall structure. And I think that this does that uh, better than a lot. And, and I, I wish that they would put uh, the kind of energy and love and dedication into David Bowie nowadays that they did, you know, 20 years ago. Here, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to this last night, um, later in the evening, and um, I, like, like, halfway through, I asked Rachel, I'm like, what song is this? Which is, like, always a good... It's always a good sign because this is like it's like 18 19 minutes and you're they do kind of get get lost in there and the way you described it brian is kind of having that um whether it's love or attention or just yeah you know the the thoughtfulness of the way it's played is is really a great reminder so this is a really good um good version to include it was melty and open the second set which is amazing that um you know an 18 19 minute version to open the second set i think is amazing because you usually think of it, you know, other than the Providence Bowl, to come at the end um, and ish spot, maybe. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I guess that's part of the, the um, allure of this one, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, it's one thing I loved about it. It, it ushers in a set. And uh, might I add, I, I, it made a very difficult call. Uh, there's another really great jam later in this uh show there's a great i believe there's a really good you enjoy myself from this show maybe i'm wrong anyway i love this bowie nice and then the the next track that everyone heard was you enjoy myself um which which did have a good version um a great version (laughs) um this is really good I, i think i'm glad you um i'm glad you included this and you know no no fish makes us complete it without this song I think I'm, um, I don't know, something about this song, just, it's like the the early versions are great, I mean, it's obviously a classic, but 
the jams like it's it's rare that you get a jam that i that i always get that i go back to a lot with this song like the i think red rocks 94 is probably the one i go back to the most but not a ton of you enjoy myself's on my sort of heavy rotation if you will um but this is a really really good one to go back to is it is it because though that and it, it gets a lot of fanfare too or a lot of crowd reaction when they open with it for good reason you know nowadays they don't play it as much as they used to but you know maybe back then it's it's a pretty composed long song so maybe people who aren't you know total fish nerds or geeks um enjoy it because they know where it's going and they know that um there's certain segments that they can expect things from mm-hmm. well i definitely have expectations of some of those segments um and mm-hmm. I, i'm definitely a fish nerd geek both not just one or the other um Okay, fine. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not to disagree with you necessarily, but uh, yeah, you, you, uh, I, I, I don't queue up YEM all the time, although I love it, you know. But when I listen to a show and I get to YEM, I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, same for when I'm at a show. Um, this one, I thought it was pretty good and nice intro bliss. That they, it's weird though. Trey doesn't really hit the notes, you know, that at the beginning, you know, that the two there's. Like two attempts, maybe this, maybe there's two attempts of the note that he doesn't nail, but oh well. Um, the second is a little better than the first, and then they do this weird stop right before the you know the charge, the accelerando that leads to the big scream and the boy man god shit segment. So they just they stop for a second, which was weird. I don't know if they were fucking with us or if mm-hmm. they were just it, it felt like a beat because Fishman taps a drum or a something right as everybody else has stopped and then then they go um but uh, after that it's all uphill downhill whichever's good um the boy man got shit segments great tramps really rocking trey's got a killer solo segment which you know does all the usual and a little and more so little hits of santana uh great bass drum segment which gets kind of funky and deep and you know and uh, all in all, cool version. I really enjoyed it. I like the jams, um, you know, and some of the some of the composed stuff. But I like the jams, so it was a lot of fun. Brad, talk to us about us. All right, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, I was going to say, Brian, it's it's your turn to, to chat. That's a little who bit, I meant. Um, we we both have bees. Um, yeah, it's tricky. I always look forward to to Mike's section or the bass section uh, of the of this song, and it, this this one delivered. Um, so anyway, Brian, tell us. Well, I definitely agree with the sentiments you guys have about not necessarily seeking out a lot of you enjoy myself. And I think a lot of the reason for it is quite frankly, a lot of the versions in 3.0 just have, it's almost been like a, uh, it's like stood in a, a place. It, it's a placeholder almost, almost like Bowie. Um, and I think part of that is why they haven't played it as much recently. I love the song. Um, it's one of those things. Every time they start it, uh, I, I get probably the same feeling you were describing, Brad, where I know the sections and I know what's coming through the song, um, and I get super excited. But one thing I love is when I go back and listen to like a '94 through '98 version, and uh, comes on on a show or I listen to it randomly, and I'm suddenly surprised by the jam because they put so much effort into it. And this is one of those versions. Uh, this tour, 
I know that the Halloween version is one of my favorite You Enjoy Mice ever heard. I would highly recommend anyone seek that out. Um, the one I initially had considered for this was the 1119 version I was, I was talking about uh, where they jam off of this song, Groove is in the Heart. Um, and that's an amazing version, but I feel like I hear about it all the time and I wanted something I hadn't heard about that much. And that's a lot of the reason I picked this. Um, I, there, there's a funk riff right around 1030 that Trey picks on that just sounds like fall 97 and then, um, leads to everything Jonathan was talking about. I feel like I need to rehash it. He said it really well, just the, the, the rock jam, the drum and bass. I mean, it's all, every section is emphasized in this jam in ways that you don't hear it anymore. It feels like they play out uh, every section as best as they can and try to throw as much creativity into it as possible. Um, every, 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 you know, minute that they're playing through the song. And um, I wish similar with Bowie that they would uh, give this song the same amount of attention that they do on a version like this. That's relatively unknown. Yeah, you know, maybe it's it's that it's almost a novelty these days. You know what I mean? They encored with it, Magna Ball. Yeah. I think they did it in L.A. This area that you chose is from the same show as this Y.M., which actually like two songs later, right? Mm-hmm. I just can I just before we go to Harry Hood, I just want to say I think we should do like a, a full episode on You Enjoy Myself because I think it's a it's an important um, piece of the Fish Canon, if you will. Um, yeah. I also I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good call on your behalf. And I just want you guys to know if, if or people out there don't know, Fish.net has ran, has graded every single version of You Enjoy Myself. Um, so if you're looking for a good version, I wouldn't. Um, I can tell you, for instance, just don't listen to. Um, there's one in here that you should not do. Do not listen to. Um, Eleven three nineteen ninety. It gets a C minus slash D plus. Um, hey man, that's still passing. That's you can totally graduate with that, but. <laughs> However, there are some B minuses on here that are probably worth um, worth looking at. So I just want to tell you that they're all graded um, A through A through F school style instead of one through ten or something like that. So pretty interesting. Also, but, um, if, we, if we do a podcast on YM, the whole time is going to bitch about the vocal jam. <laughs> the whole time. Well, I like the vocal jam. <laughs> when you're there, points. when you're there, the whole thing is great, right? I mean, just like yeah, it's yeah. like almost any song. But um, there's something about it that um, you know. Yeah, I think there there is a novelty aspect. Sorry, we can we can move on. Um, <laughs> you sure? <laughs> um, the Harry Hood, as Brad mentioned from the same from the same uh, show, and that's a really pretty glorious glorious version. Pretty long and and really really nice. Um, Brian, what was the why this one from the same show? Yeah, um, keeping in the theme of you know. Uh, these these last couple of songs and one of the reasons why fall 96 drew me in was um i remember getting to this show and looking at the set list and looking at the timing and seeing a 28 minute long you enjoy myself and then a harry hood closing out that set two songs later and kind of just blown away and there there are a lot of really great harry hoods on this tour um in the same reason you know with with reba with uh, David Bowie, where they just play the, the Harry Hood out as best as as, as hard as possible. But Trey's playing uh, throughout the peak is is just the definition of of hose to me. Three minutes of just continual, just 
uh, the type of stuff that when you're at a show, you just have to ask them to stop being so awesome um, because it just is continuous. And, uh, you know, as much as I love a lot of the Harry Hoods from the last year or two years uh, where they do a lot of uh, improvisational jamming off of the theme, um, the the peak of this this jam. I mean, they just don't they don't make them like this anymore. I agree, and it's it's my it's my favorite song, and I I, I, I totally agree. And this is, I mean, going back to these are um, really really pretty special. Yeah, I, I've seen Harry Hood uh, basically one out of every three shows that I've seen, and um, that's not enough. So I, I love the song so much. And this version is really, really great. It's got a great intro, you know, standard great. And, and then it drops directly into like the, the happy place, the beautiful bliss jam. And it, you That's know, so it kind of, it hangs there. I mean, it, it's not an epic long hood, but it's not short. It's 17 minutes. It, but, you know, the thing is, it's all, I guess type one, it's all on theme. It's all really on target. They just take their time and build it slowly to just a great peak. And, um, you, you can ask for more than that, I guess you can, but you'd be greedy. Um, cause this is really <laughs> nice. <laughs> I remember reading Trey said that, you know, that the Harry hood jam is, I think it's just D a and G basically repeated. And, uh, yeah, I remember him talking about how simple it, it is and how, you know, the uh, contradiction of this band that writes a song like You Enjoy Myself, like David Bowie, that has, you know, 10, 12 minutes of a show dedicated to three chords. But, you know, I, I think that that's part of what makes Fish um, different from so many other progressive rock bands out there. I don't even think you define Fish as a progressive rock band, but they have elements of that in that they're not afraid to allow the the um, um, total emotion of music to completely take over and, and throw the theory and, and um, throw out the, the notion of trying to break this rule and that rule and just playing music that makes you feel really, really good. Uh, pardon the pun in any sort of way, but um, <laughs> I, I love this song. I'm right there with you guys. I, this is probably gun to my head, probably my favorite fish song. Um, it's up there for me with Piper as, as the only other fish song that you could literally play twice at the same show, every single show I go to, and I would never complain about it. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I love this version. Awesome. Um, just one thing I want to add for anyone who is listening, who it isn't like a, a Harry hood, um, aficionado, like all of us are October 94 is a great, place to start in general there's like six versions from that month that are just outrageous um that's, i was gonna mention that that's when i started with this band nice oh. see yeah 90, 94 hoods are what made me fall in love with hood and i think this one night you know 94 through 96 where they were like perfecting it almost mm-hmm. you know it, it was just so beautiful and at the same time so simple and you can just you know gives you gives you all the feels all the feels. So many feels. So we got two more, two more feels left, Brian. Um, the, the next one, the Reba from um, December first, which was uh, L.A. I think. Yeah. Um, tell us about this this pick and uh, crazy placement for Reba, I guess in 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 the traditional sense, but really good version. 
Yeah, so this is midway through the second set, and um, uh, first set, or excuse me, um, well, first set of the show is, is one of my favorite first sets of the whole tour, and if you haven't heard it, uh, stop what you're doing after you finish recording this podcast or listening to this podcast and listen to it, because it's an amazing show all the way through. Um, but yeah, the tweezer to kick off the second set is really, really fantastic, Um and it was just featured on one of the live bait, the live bait that came out this summer. Um, and had it not been on there, I would have most likely selected it for this because I've always loved that tweezer. But this Reba, for me, there are this one, uh, 1018, and um, one more that I'm blanking on right now from the tour that are my three favorites. And I think what ultimately came down to it for me is they're so patient getting into the jam here. And then uh, at about the 12-minute mark, you start to hear Trey moving towards the peak, and you think, okay, here comes Fishman Drums. Uh, it's going to end. The last three minutes of the song are going to be whistling, good version, carry on. And Fishman just lets Trey continue to build, and he builds a section, and then it drops off, and he builds it again, and it drops off. And it's not until, you know, like six seconds before the song ends um, on the track listing that uh, Fish actually comes in with the drums. And uh, it's one thing I've always loved about Reba's of this era is every time you think that they've taken the song to as high of a level as possible, they just keep going. Um, and, and this signifies it, uh, you know, that to, to the extreme. Um, I, I, I love it. And I love how this is a middle of the second set version. It just, completely takes you uh out, out of what you would expect at this point so yeah uh, brian i i, I could, can't really add to that but i'd like to point out that in your notes you wrote this is how you reba and i i like that i agree it's, it's really nice so i was i was kind of waiting for you to say it as you did and i'm going to just put that out there yeah so maybe I, I would say also maybe like this spot in a set is amazing for a reba and also the end of a first set would yeah. always just is a is a those two places, I think that's how you read. But and this one is just really, really wonderful. Yeah, We're gonna have to make shirts. Kind of, kind of like how what I've been saying about Hood and, or excuse me, Bowie and Yen. Um, not to get down on fish in in, in this modern era because they're so incredible what they've been doing. But one thing I love about what they've been doing since about 2011 is really playing Reba out and really, really uh, trying for it and going for it and. Um, like you just said, Brad, there are so many second set Rebas that have popped up throughout the last couple of years. Um, most recently that I can think of, uh, that Atlanta version, um, in that fantastic second yeah. set. And it just was a perfect, perfect song for the middle of the second set where you need to focus again. You need that composed section, but you also need all the feels and all the bliss and, and, and all that greatness. So Brian, the, the way we ended this was not, um, it was not a small, a small, um, jam we had a mics into strange design into week and um really really cool um combo that i had sort of forgotten about um but but really good yeah i would, I would love to hear what jonathan says because i loved what he wrote in the notes um i think there's a lot a lot of really good stuff in there that you could say about this well um i'm a mike's groove guy and uh you know i it's strong mics uh ripping tramp segment and then the uh the jam after that you know it, it kind of sounds to me like the blissful part of a simple jam 
rather than just a Mike's jam. And of course, there's obviously that similarity at the at the turn when they go into the jam. Anyways, always like the intro of Simple, but um, and then it it just kind of I don't remember how long that is now. I kind of only know the timing of the whole groove. So um, you know, but then it, it kind of gradually melts from that Bliss jam into the Strange Design. Um, and I love strange design. Uh, so it's just, it's perfect for me and I can forgive that they didn't play. I am hydrogen. Um, and then the pog is just exactly that kind of ripping that you want to hear. Um, page pages all over it. Everybody is just kicking tons of ass, but page is there so much that, you know, they give them that, the, the full, like a solo, like a, uh, like a coil ish kind of melt kind of solo there and i don't know if they left the stage or not while he did it but it was um it was something to listen to uh it's probably what i i did write this it's one of the the most unexpected and possibly the greatest things on this entire mix and there's been some great things both last week and this week but that the way they come into that after that my in that mic's groove and just settle into this beautiful uh page solo it's terrific. I, I had I honestly I can't say when I last listened to this show, but I'm gonna go back to listen to it again here very soon because that was that was terrific and I, I really want to thank you for picking this actually. I had quite a moment with it. So. Awesome. Yeah, I I mean I, I agree completely. Uh, at the end of it, Paige, um it it's the same sort of thing I was talking about with um uh the Mike song from eleven six, and I believe the the simple from eleven eight, where um, uh, Paige just adds this whole completely different element to it by playing you know, his his most organic instrument. Um, I, I love this. I love this jam. I I hesitated including it because it's not technically fall ninety six. I was contemplating. Um, the Mike song from a really great show, twelve or great second set, twelve four ninety six. Um, but when push came to shove, the the week of pog on this just uh, won me over, and um, it's probably eighty percent of the reason it's here. I, I, I love this jam, and I love that um, it's a huge cap on the year here. I would have called you out that it wasn't fall tour, but then I listened to it and I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys are real nerds. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't even actually think about that until just now when you said that, um, Brian. This is um, this this yeah. It was a great way to end, and and definitely like yeah, something I definitely overlooked as well. Um, but clearly, you put a ton of ton of time and effort into into this, and and have listened to you know everything to pull out these these um, highlights for for us and for the listeners so we really appreciate you taking the time to do it yeah thank you for uh giving me a platform to uh spew my opinions and and thoughts about fish it uh means means everything (laughs) awesome man you're always welcome always yeah thanks for coming on and um i hope that baby and your lovely wife are doing well had a great time rocking with you at merriweather likewise I, i hope that we can do it again um I don't know if I'll be at MSG this year, uh, but uh, I will be there in spirit if not. And, uh, yeah, looking forward for you guys all uh, meeting the little guy and having a fish kids dance party at 
Yes. Festival is awesome. And awesome. one one thing I would just say that I tweeted about this after Magna Ball, but your wife Susie was the MVP of Magna Ball, as far as I'm concerned, being yeah. so pregnant and so awesome and such a trooper. Um, you know, it's and, fun. And, uh, I wasn't even there, and I'm impressed. And you got you got wizardry, you know, infused in your baby from going to Magna Ball, so that's amazing. We did. We we had a really funny conversation the night everything went down. Um, that, you know, it had been three weeks ago that night, we were listening to the Magna Ball gin in a gigantic field with, with a bunch of fish fans. And um, had we known we were actually having a baby in three weeks, I don't know if we would have been there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she she killed it that second day. I don't know how she hung out for 12 hours at 32 weeks pregnant, but... Um, we barely made it. I yeah. know that she loved the, the drive-in jam, and, and that was uh, one of my favorite, experiencing that with her, you know, in, in just a cold field in, in the middle of uh, you know Western New York, and as as we were getting ready for this big transition in our lives, that was uh, a really good memory to go back to, and um, it was awesome hanging out with all you guys there. One of my favorite parts, Brian, is when you schooled all the noobs and, and called the Buffalo Bill. It was awesome. Yes, yeah, everybody right. around you was like, "What?" Yeah. I liked. I particularly <laughs> liked getting called out on Twitter by RJ as he was standing next to me when I complained about the no intro to the Sense and Settle sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like a very appropriate thing to complain I, I about in the moment. On my phone, I, looked Sorry. I got to witness Brian's first uh, uh, McGrub, so nice. Yes, awesome. Brian, we're so glad that you're that you're back in the U.S. I think that's the that's the main point, and I'm glad that yeah. you're only a short drive from where where I am. Looking forward to uh, meeting the baby at some point soon. Likewise, man. Thank you, man. It's good to be back. All right. Well, that that wraps it up, um, guys. Thank you, Jonathan, Brad, um, Brian. You. This has been really fun. Um, as you know, we are on the internet at HF Pod, um, and Brian is at Suffering Juke, and you can find Jonathan at Rojay, um, and and all of us at HF Pod. Um, thanks again for listening, and we'll be back. We have a lot of really cool shows planned for the rest of the uh, the fall, and given the lack of fish fall tour because they're so lazy and lame um we're gonna have lots of stuff for you guys to listen to we're so tired um <laughs> unlike brad and me and jonathan and brian right right, <laughs> right. exactly <laughs> so thanks all for listening um have a good week keep on rocking ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Amara Jones. Every day, the attacks on trans kids grow louder, and more anti-trans bills keep moving through state legislatures. In this season of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, we're going to illuminate how the right wing has fueled these bills by generating a breathtaking and wide-ranging disinformation campaign. It's spreading like wildfire on the internet. It's then being discussed by families and churches. None of this is an accident. It's a strategy to delegitimize trans people 
and create a world where existence is a question. Subscribe to season two of the Anti-Trans Hate Machine, A Plot Against Equality, wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hey, music fans. We wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fund run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.